Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Break Room Boys. I'm Nate, and that's Lucas. Hey. And uh, man, I was really fucking stoked to get back to recording. It's been a long time. It's been several weeks. I mean, we we cut off right before the Christmas break. We all went our separate ways. Mm. Um, we were planning on recording last week. Shit popped up. It just never worked out. Um, and I was fucking stoked to get back in here. Talk a little bit about the college football playoffs, um, you know, how Alabama fell short, but I'm excited for next year. And then yesterday we got the, the news that basically felt like a death in the family, and Nick Saban has retired. Um, and some Alabama fans have actually treated it like he died. It has been. It's, you know, anytime a legend uh, retires, like a player or a coach, the way things are – you know, the way they're honored almost in memoriam, it seems, uh, is always pretty funny. I mean, there's like there's like a candlelight vigil at his statue last night. With oatmeal but, cream pies and Coke. Yeah. And all, all, like flowers and all sorts of crazy shit. And uh, while that's all extremely silly, it does feel like we're kind of eulogizing the end of an era. Totally. Yeah. I mean, there's just no – there's no way you can slice it where – this run of success will have has any chance of continuing. It, it's just it's impossible. It sure. will never happen again anywhere. Like I really, I really truly believe that. With how much the the field has been leveled mm-hmm. by NIL, the transfer portal, all that, I just don't see how it's possible. Unless college football somehow takes a large step backwards, uh, as far as like a nationwide parity, uh, which those things you just mentioned have, have helped create that. I mean, we had Washington and Michigan in the national championship this year. That, I mean, just think about that. Think about what I just said, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, think about the last time those two regions, uh, you know, in the Southeast was not represented, uh, in the, in the national championship game. Um, so we've already seen the way it's changed the sport. <clears throat> we've seen coaches speak about it. And unless some some crazy regression happens in the sport, I I don't see any way. Not only can Alabama su- su- uh, sustain success like that, I don't see a way any program rattles off a, a comparable run to what we just saw. Um, and don't that, tell and, that to Georgia fans, by the way. <laughs> sure, yeah, sure. Um, and that's yeah, that's obviously no disrespect to like Kirby Smart or any other great coach out there with great potential. It's just given everything we just mentioned, uh, it's going to be really hard. Um, that doesn't mean you can't be great every year. That doesn't mean you can't be in the conversation every year. But we're talking about playing in nine championship games in 15 years. That's going to be a really like tough thing to accomplish for anybody. I, I think the only reason why I would agree with you that you 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 can't like. You, we could still be in the conversation every year is just because the playoffs it's are expanding. expanding. Yeah. If they weren't, if it was four teams moving forward, I think it would be completely asinine to say that we we're going to be in the conversation every year. Like I just don't, I don't see that happening because again, you, you just saw, you, we just all witnessed the greatest run in college football history. It's simply unsustainable. Um, one thing I need to speak to real quick is this misconception that like nobody can follow up Nick Saban. Yeah, please. It, it, it's, it's kind of driving me a little crazy because people are like, why would you want to go coach Alabama after Saban? Yeah. At, on one hand, I get it. On the other hand, nobody's expecting the next guy to be Nick Saban. Totally. Like th- yeah. that is a complete misconception that you have to match what the last guy did. Nobody expects that. 
not administration. Uh, there may be some tier three gumps that I actually do expect that. But like most of the fan base, it's just like, we just don't want to see a nosedive. Sure. Like that's it. And, uh, and uh, if there's anybody who may think that they can step in and, and keep producing at that pace or even surpass it, is going to be the guy who takes the job. Because I'll tell you, like, I've seen that thrown out a lot. And for years people have said, um, you know, you're going to want to be the guy after the guy who replaces Nick Saban, uh, which is – look, it's a, it's a reasonable, rational thought to have for normal people. College football coaches are not normal people. No, they're not. Um, whether we're talking Dan Lanning, Steve Sarkeesian, Mike Norvell, Kalen DeBoer, whoever the the guy ends up being that you know they name Alabama's next head coach, you know, they've got a little bit of lunatic to them where like they're not even worried about that. Of course, they th- like they recognize what Nick Saban's done. Uh, but we've talked about college basketball and football coaches. Like, these guys are maniacs. Like, they do not think like normal people, as, as normal as they may come across in a press conference or whatever. These guys are, like, singularly focused on on coaching football. And they don't think like you and I. We're no. like, that, the opportunity to be the Alabama head coach for them far outweighs any sort of pressure or public scrutiny or what may go wrong over the next few years. They don't think like you and I, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, that is, that is like an understandable thought to have. But no no head coach at this level, at the at the elite level of college football, um, is, is going to let that worry keep them away from a job, you know what I mean? Like they're going to jump at the opportunity because they're they're crazy, you know? They're, they're actually crazy, yeah. and, and their work ethic kind of shows it. Yeah. I mean, you see the hours that some of these guys – or you at least hear about the hours that are put into to just the striving for perfection. Like, I don't think I've ever heard of a college football coach, aside from maybe Brian Harson that just, like, melded in. Some guys don't have it they, for one reason or another. Maybe it's scheme. Maybe it's inability to connect with recruits or boosters or whatever. But, like, work ethic never seems to be a thing, and confidence never seems to be an issue. No. Yeah. Um, but all that said um, – it's been a very, very weird 24-plus hours. Um, I will say I'm handling it a little bit better than I thought I would because it really did just drop out of the clouds. It was like – it was almost a where were you moment. Yeah. Like, where, how did you find out? I was at home. Uh, you know, I worked from home yesterday, was home most of the day, and I was just uh, – I had actually just sat down on the couch for a minute to just kind of like check my phone, turn on the TV. And uh, saw a text in our group first. And what, you know, I thought it was out of the blue. Like, I, I think you had asked, like, do we really think this is happening or do you think Saban's really retiring? And uh, we had just talked about it like a week or two ago when I think maybe. How two, many years is he? Yes. Yeah. We had the same. We're like, realistically, what are we thinking? And I, I, I gave you know, very like long detailed response about like, not only do I want this to happen, you know, like, cause I'm an Alabama fan, but given everything Nick Saban's ever shown us and said to us and like, this guy lives football. He's still seemingly very healthy. He's driven. He just brought in the number two recruiting class. Like he has not really slowed down at all. Uh, you can, you know, this is the first three-year drought without a championship he's ever had at Alabama. So I guess you could point to that and say that's a failure on it by his standard. But 
you know, every realistic metric you can measure a head coach, like he has not slowed down. Um, and so, you know, we were talking, you know, three, four, five more years, even maybe, um, you know, probably three, I would have, I would have bet money that he coached for three more seasons. And I think that's why everybody was so surprised, but now, now in retrospect, a lot of things make sense. Um, you know, some of those things he said, like, I don't want to be the reason we ever decline. Hmm. I, he, he's essentially said in so many words, like there's not going to be an eight and four, seven and five year. He's like, I'm going to get out before this thing ever goes, goes sideways or goes or nosedives, as you said earlier. Um, that was never going to happen. Uh, the fact that he never had one of those seasons um, is crazy. But, yeah, I was, I was at home, and, and I thought you were just kind of like rehashing the conversation. And then I hop on Twitter. Uh, I see that Chris – you know, the source – the only name you saw in the beginning was Chris Lowe, which was concerning um, because he's been with ESPN. That's kind of like Saban's guy he trusts the most. But with, in, the, in the age of ball sack sports and Barry McCockiner and all these like great trolls of our time – you never know if that's if it's actually him coming from a real person because I didn't see a Chris Lowe tweet. I saw other media members cite Chris Lowe, and once I saw that come from like real accounts, then you know I was like a little concerned. And then you know within the next few minutes we had real updates. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I mean I was shocked. It was yeah. uh, in retrospect I'm not like you know it makes more sense. I mean he is 72 years old. You'll give it a day to kind of sink in. But in the moment, I was especially, you know, we had just talked about it. I, I was pretty taken aback. You know? yeah. yeah. I'd say taken aback was certainly the reaction for me as well. I was at work. Um, I was very busy. And my coworker comes up to me. I'm, I'm like wrapping up a call and I see him walk up. And, uh, you know, he, he comes, you know, we kind of walk up over to each other's desk pretty common. Like it's, it's not rare to you know, wait for someone to get off the phone and then show them something on Instagram or something funny or whatever. Um, and he comes over to me and he goes, did you see the news? I was like, what are you talking about? And he goes, are you ready for this? Like, you need to have a seat. I'm like, I don't know. What are you talking about? Yeah. And he goes, dude, Nick Saban's retiring. And I was like, bullshit. No, he's not. He's like, no, like I actually think he might be like pull up Twitter so I pulled up Twitter, and the first thing I see is kind of the same thing that, that, that you were seeing. And I was like, bullshit. Like, I don't believe that. Yeah. I don't believe it until I see him say it in a press conference. And then from there, it was just the snowball rolling downhill, and like bigger and bigger accounts are catching on to it, and they're tweeting it and all this stuff. And, dude, the denial melted away very quickly, and I was like, holy shit. This is real. Like, yeah. Nick Saban is actually retiring. And – to your point, dude, funny enough, the first, it, this also made the first few minutes confusing for me. You know how, like, uh, pardon my taking the bar still likes to, like, break news whenever they get the chance? Uh -huh. It was, so I saw, like, some real, like, a media member, I can't remember who, and then right under it was Lil Sasquatch that was like, <laughs> <laughs> Alabama head coach Nick Saban retiring per source. And I'm like, dude, Lil Sass is breaking news too. Like, who knows if this is, if this right. is real. And then, and then it was, you know. So yeah. it was a very confusing uh, early stages of the news breaking. Yeah. It, you know, to your point, it's not that shocking. Um, I would say the timing of it kind of was. And I'll also say this. I'm, I'm glad that he went out the way that he did. I, I would have preferred it after a national championship, obviously. But going out without the, 
the fucking Mike Shashevsky victory lap. Um, I'm so glad Nick Saban didn't do that. And we also probably had to know that that was never going to happen. The guy just does like is as narcissistic and, and crazy as college coaches are, which we discuss now. Um, he is, he's just never been, the, the, the focus has never been on Nick Saban. Mm. It just hasn't. Even when you see him going on the Pat McAfee show and college game day or, you know, he's covering national championships that Alabama's not playing in, things like that, you just, you don't ever get the sense that this is all about Nick Saban. It's, okay, I'm on this, I'm going to lend my opinions, but, like, I, like the spotlight isn't really me. Sure. Um, and, 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 so and when he comes on in years we don't make the playoff, everybody spins it like, oh, look at him begging, like, look at him campaigning and, and politicking for his spot. And it's like, well, of course he's going to argue for his team. But you're right. I mean, the majority of what he said – I mean, you know, a, a lot of people I think are on board with, like, college football needs some sort of governing body, and maybe that guy should, like, be in charge. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we do need some sort of – common sense uh you know person to preside over the madness that's going on right now yeah um but it's 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 certainly been a crazy wacky 24 hours full of rumors um speculation we're in the middle of it now we are and you know i've got my phone on do not disturb for a couple reasons um i always turn it on do not disturb when we're recording just because i am very easily distracted i do the same thing at work a lot of times but also um just to kind of get an idea of what the last 24 has looked 24 hours has looked like for me i've had friends checking in on me again it's it's like a family member died or something Mm -hmm. um I had friends checking in on me and they're like, how are you doing? I was like, well, I'm under investigation. I'm being reported to the FBI by Auburn fans. If that tells you anything. So that's been fun. Oh, also we didn't even mention, uh, um, Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll also semi retired yesterday as well. Well, Uh, yeah, they, they back. Yeah. They, they have, um, they've stepped down from their positions. We'll see if either of those are actual retirements. Two men also 70 years old. Uh, but, so that was an eventful day. And But yeah, back to uh, the, uh, the FBI thing. Um, I poked the bear a little bit on Twitter and you know, it's, it's been a really funny, you know, like I said, 24 hours since all this stuff is, is really shaken out. But, um, I'm, I'm a self-deprecating humor kind of guy. It's, it's what I do when I face adversity. Uh, it's just kind of, it's just what I do in general. Like I, I make fun of myself. I make fun of the things that I like. You make terroristic threats. Apparently. Apparently I do. Um, because I got, I was on Twitter nonstop, literally since the news broke and Auburn Einstein is a big Auburn Twitter account. Um, made a hilarious tweet. Yeah. Um, Somebody, it was WVUA uh, 23 Sports in Tuscaloosa. Our student channel. They, uh, they posted a picture of the Nick Saban statue, and as we've mentioned, there, there was like a memorial going on at his statue. Yeah. And he quoted it and said, someone with a Cam Newton jersey has a chance to do the funniest thing ever, which for those of you who don't know somehow, uh, the whole Auburn – Tumor's Corner tree poisoning was after someone put a Scam Newton jersey on Paul Bear Bryant's yeah. statue. And so, you know, that's that's the joke that he's getting at. And I quoted that and I said, buddy, we'd skip the trees and go straight to the drinking water, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, I'm making fun of our fan base. 
and it just immediately blew up with Auburn fans fucking tweeting at the FBI Twitter account, local authorities, all this stuff. To which case, I you know I they never, got posters of you up around the barn, dude. I have never had a tweet blow up like this, and when people are tweeting the authorities, I'm like. Oh shit, I'm like crapping my pants a little bit. And so I That's a good tweet though. Right. Uh I mean, I, I've never had a tweet so good the the federal authorities That's what were I mean, involved. Dude. I mean, we got the bureau involved on you. But um I I tweeted out shortly after that. Where where is it? Um so we're all clear here. I have neither the intention nor the means to poison a fucking water supply. Holy shit. I actually had to type this. Um so yeah, it's it's been nonstop. I've had to have my phone not- notifications turned off for the last day plus, um, just because it's just been it's been nuts. Um, but it, it's all it's all funny. Like this whole situation just lends very well to comedy. Yeah, totally. Because the jokes that other fan bases are getting off, some of them are absolutely hilarious. Like I, there was another, there was a Tennessee fan that that. Quoted a, a an announce <laughs> yeah. an announcement that Nick Saban had retired with a picture of World War II. U.S. Marines <laughs> reading the newspaper. Hitler is dead. <laughs> I mean, yeah, objectively uh, hilarious. That's great. Yeah, I mean, there's, and, and that's kind of been w- one of the best parts of it too. And I think like a lot of it is born out of like the respect for Nick Saban, the fact that every other fan base is so relieved that he's gone. Uh, but it has created a, a lot of great content like that. Um, you got Auburn fans rolling <laughs> Tumor's Corner. They rolled Tumor's Corner, which I mean, just I mean, cemented them as like little brother, the ultimate oh my just pee wee program. Uh, you know, I just that was no surprise. Uh, you know, the day Nick Saban dies, I, I, I'm a, I feel like we're going to see similar actions from them. It's just kind of who they are. Um, but yeah, I mean, that whole wrinkle, the fact that you had Auburn fans tweeting, whether it was like jokingly or not, like, like adding the Birmingham FBI on your ass. (laughs) Um, the fact that, you know, it was in reference to a Harvey Updike tweet, which people can argue about the greatest, you know, rivalries in college sports. And clearly you and I, and every rational Alabama fan does not have feel any empathy for Harvey Updike at all. The late Harvey Updike, uh, no, fuck that bastard. But that is like that wrinkle, like is what makes this the best rivalry in college football. Like of the course. fact that we had that happen, uh, a man was so distraught over the taping of a Cam Newton jersey over a statue that he he took his ass down there with poison and 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 tried to ruin like you know one of their great traditions that they have. And uh, which by the way, I, which I learned later was not the first assassination attempt on those trees. Like it, it's been going on for that, a while. That's news to me right now. Apparently, my dad saw a guy like in the late eighties or early nineties literally hop out of a truck with a chainsaw and had trouble starting it and he got mobbed and like (laughs) stomped out like there's been and i'm sure there's been others but like this is what these are the lunatics we're dealing with like in in that state and it's just you know and the rest of the sec has had some uh some good input on it as well but it yeah it's been a, a wild day um like i mentioned you have pete carroll and and belichick stepping down too which got completely overshadowed Completely. Uh, like, completely overshadowed, which only, I mean, those are two. And Belichick came later. Yeah, those were later. And those are two legends in their own right. But, like, this just kind of, everybody was surprised by the Saban thing. And, you know, everybody's kind of uh, had time to, like, pour over the numbers now and just kind of digest, like, what a ridiculous 15 years it's been. Uh, I was kind of, 
when Chance tweeted out that Joe Kynes interview, I it just hit me. I was like, dude, I remember watching this game, and it's actually crazy now. I'm a 28 year old man, and like that was the last time we were in the middle of a coaching search. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I was in seventh grade, you know, or I was a I was a kid, and uh, the way it just you know time flies, but. Uh, well, it's just fucking crazy. And now we're back. And that's what I was telling you. It is kind of exciting. I'm nervous as fuck. And, uh, you know, I think we're all a little apprehensive, uh, you know, about anything that could happen well, between now and the fall. Let's talk about that. Sure. Um, but it's exciting. Where you have this, a new coach for the first time in yeah. 16 years. Like, that's pretty – it's crazy. No, it is. And so – in all likelihood, we will re- release this after the coaches. Now, I would imagine it's probably going to be tomorrow. Tomorrow, I would yeah. imagine probably so. But for the sake of having some fun here, you know, we do have some pretty big names linked to the opening. Um, Dan Lanning is apparently not going to happen. Head coach at, our, at Oregon put out a, uh, a social media post. Spun it into a recruiting pitch, which was pretty sweet by him. It's honestly masterful stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have been my number one and probably every Alabama fan's number one. I think that was most people who are pretty plugged in, meaning like understanding all Dabo's done to sour himself uh, and just, you know, is Lane Kiffin to an extent too with the way he left Tuscaloosa. I think Landing was like a lot of people's uh, first name that came to mind. So with him off the list, let's go through some of the names that we have still linked to, linked to the opening and we'll each give our – projection prediction on who's actually going to get it so the leading candidates right now as we're looking at it are going to be Kalen DeBoer at Washington uh, Mike Norvell at Florida State um, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss I've seen talk about D'Amico Ryans I would be very very shocked by that Uh, and then Dabo Swinney is really kind of the the biggest other sort of outside chance. I would say it's Sarkeesian even more than Sar- that. Sarkeesian too. Sarkeesian too. Which you and I talked about pre-recording. We don't think that's going to happen, but I- I'd say the odds of that are much higher than Dabo. I think. And, I would and, hope. And Andy Staples said it yesterday, and I, I, I tend to agree. I think Dabo with what he's done and the way he's not in love with the new changes in college football, he's probably closer to retirement than ever taking another job. And then let's be honest, Alabama was the only other job he would have it would ever leave Clemson for. So who do you, just looking at that list of names, who do you want the most and who do you think it's going to be? Um, well, you know, I really don't know. I've, I've been thinking about it hard. And, like, I would – I think most Alabama fans should be happy with, with any of the names we just threw out, minus Dabo. Um, and I think most people are on board with that. I don't really, you know, have – I guess, you know, I liked Dan Lanning's personality a lot. Uh, he was kind of – I guess he would have been, if you made me name one, you know, prior to him uh, putting out the statement today, seeming like he's staying, probably would have been my first choice just because he's, he's been around. He, he was at Alabama. He's recruited for both Alabama and Georgia. Great defensive coordinator at Georgia. And he had Oregon one game from the playoff in his second year. Um Kalen DeBoer and Mike Norvell, those I think would both be great. They've they've won. Kalen DeBoer started at like NAI and then like D two, and he's won a, he's won every single place he's ever been. He had Washington in the national championship this year. Um, so I mean that guy can clearly develop talent. Um, he's I don't know that he's ever recruited in the southeast, but now you know college football is more national. You obviously need to lock down guys around you, but I 
I imagine he has that capability. Uh, and Mike Norvell, I mean, Florida State was awful when he took over. Terrible. Awful. And look what he did at Memphis. Look what he's done at Florida State. You know, if Jordan Travis doesn't get hurt, they're a playoff team. They still were almost a playoff team. Um, you know, I'm going to be happy with, with any of those options. Uh, I, I truly don't know that I have a preference. Um, I guess Norvell. Um, you know, if we're including Sarkeesian in there, then that's probably my guy. Um, and I love Lane Kiffin. I think he and Sark are, you know, top of the sport as far as play calling, offensive de- quarterback development specifically. We saw what Lane did in his time in Alabama. Uh, both elite recruiters. Um, you're hearing less and less about them kind of as this day goes on. Um, I don't think Kiffin did enough to, like, burn enough bridges at Alabama. I know the departure was weird. I know Saban was pissed at him. We basically fired him before that national championship game. But I don't think that's, like, enough for us to write him off forever. I think he would gladly take the job. I just don't think he's probably, like, at the top of Greg Burns' list necessarily. Um, So that was a very long non-answer. But I I don't – Who's your prediction? Norvell. Okay. Um, and that would probably be my first choice too. Okay. If you've uh, of the guys we've eliminated, kind of here in this, you know, Lanning, Sark, as far as the, what seemed like long shots now, I, I'd probably say Mike Norvell. So I'm a, I, I, I openly mock these programs that just make it a huge point to go hire their guys, whether it's a Michigan man or a Duke man or a North Carolina man or mm-hmm. whatever, whatever you want to throw out there. Um, like, I, I think that that's a, a silly farcical way of looking at things, but my, my biggest want would actually be like with that said, D'Amico Ryan's. D'Amico Ryan's. I yeah. think that would be unbelievable. I mean, you've seen what he's done with the Houston Texans. It's also probably, the biggest long shot aside from Sarkeesian. Like, I just don't see it happening, but it would be so cool. And I think that he would – I think there would be a lot of guys that are considering going into the transfer portal that would back out of the transfer portal with him coming in. Um, The ties to the program, you know, him being a a, a Saban legend. Mm -hmm. Um, He's young. He's charismatic. He was a Shula legend. Um, well, he, wasn't he there for the, maybe the beginning? Maybe 07. Maybe 07. Yeah. He might he, – he was either – 07 was either his last year or he missed Saban by one year. Okay. But he's – yeah, he's from uh, like Pleasant Grove or he's from like Birmingham area. Uh, he I, I probably had his jersey. I mean, he was a, he was a legend uh, at Alabama. He's, he's certainly my number one like most wanted. But and, – and, Absolutely. But he also hasn't recruited – no, although I'll say, you know, people have been talking like Deion Sanders and stuff, and the way he finished at Colorado, I don't think that's – I don't even know that he got a call. No. But but um, the way – just like looking at the way he's recruited, uh, I'm confident, you know, without D'Amico Runs having any recruiting experience, he'd do better on the high school level than a guy like that. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? I would, I would agree. Um, just his demeanor, his – Taking the Texans to the fucking playoffs? Yeah. That's what are, I was just going to say. Are you shitting me? In year one, and I know C.J. Stroud's been amazing, uh, but, like, what, dude, they've been just the, the laughing stock of the NFL for so long, the way they've, the, you know, coaches have come and gone, draft picks have been wasted. Um, and he's got them in the fucking playoffs in year one. So to, yeah. to And I know the NFL turnover's crazy. They could be, you know, they could take a huge step back next year for whatever reason. But he's in a pretty good spot. 
Yeah. So that yeah. that would be my number one choice. Who I think it's going to be is Kalen DeBoer. Do you? And I will be fired up about that if it happens. Kalen DeBoer or Mike Norvell, I think, would both be fantastic hires. Guys that have gotten it done at their respected programs. Guys with lengthy track records of, of doing well in not the greatest situations. Um, but I guess we'll see. I mean, I, I really do think within the next 24 to 48 hours, it, we, we will know. Um, well, Florida State, as we sit here, uh, is being penalized by the NCAA. That's true. So, will that follow Mike Norville? Um, similar to, like, Michigan this year with, like, how much is going to be on the school, how much is going to follow Jim Harbaugh, whether he stays or, or I, goes. I also think it would be fucking hilarious to see Norvell leave Florida State for the team that kept them out of the playoffs. Florida State fans would absolutely melt the fuck down, and it would be – a sight to behold. I don't dislike Florida State. No. Um, but I do like watching people get mad online. It's so fun. It, it's it's America's greatest pastime. Um, yeah. It would be it, it would be amazing. Um, but and, yeah, and I think either one of those two, you're doing well. Yeah, totally. And Florida State is a fan base who's long been active on Twitter, and they're not a quiet bunch. So like, yeah, that would really you know send some shockwaves. Uh, but I have a feeling, buddy, we're going to know in probably the next, like, 18 hours or so. Um, there will probably be a press conference tomorrow. Um, can we also just talk about, like, Nick Saban just going about business as usual yesterday, interviewing people for the wide receiver coaching job. Uh, he showed up today. Mi- minutes before he announced to the team he was gone, and people made a great joke. It was like, you imagine the guy, that last guy he interviewed, thinking he bombed so bad, Nick Saban retired. Uh, and, then, uh, and then he announces to the team, and then it gets broken to us. And then he's back at the office at 8 o'clock today. He and Cedric are walking in the door at 8 a.m. So, like, he's – and this should come as a surprise to nobody. He's not going to sit around and, you know, kind of, you know, good luck to the program. Like, he's going to do everything he can to, like, usher this new uh, coaching staff in and, and, you know, hand off the keys to this thing that he's built. But um, – yeah. Man, well, what a wild time in college football. You know? Absolutely. And in other news, Michigan did win the national championship. Yes. Uh, Go Blue. We fucking – we buried him. He's he's done. He's in the ground. We killed him. Go Blue. <laughs> fucking good you know, for you guys, man. We were going to talk a hell of a lot more about that. Yeah. Um, I mean, Michigan was very impressive, stifling Washington the way that they did. I bet Washington straight up. And I didn't realize that Washington was just going to come in and have zero run game whatsoever, zero ability to protect uh, Michael Penix. Um, and then they just kind of did that thing that they do where it's just like J.D. McCarthy just doesn't really need to even show up. We'll just run down everybody's throats. Best offensive line in college football, bar none, and probably the best defensive line in college football. Like, yeah, very much so. They, you, you own the trenches – you're going to get really far. I saw like five people have identical tweets in that game, basically saying Washington should never run again. Michigan should never throw again. They should just be like, – I mean, they're having no – each of them had no success in one fa- – I shouldn't say no success, but clearly Michigan, you know, went with their MO all season and just bullied people on the ground, did what they had to do on third and medium. And uh, Washington, they needed the run game that night. They need they needed some sort of threat on the ground and they just couldn't really get it together. And you know, just going back to the semifinal game, um, just kind of talking about Michigan full picture. I mean, 
we didn't really get to see them play very many good opponents this year. They they beat Ohio State again, which I mean they just have Ryan Day's number. Yeah. But neither of us were remotely worried about the Alabama versus versus Michigan matchup just because we figured, you know, this I won't this, say I wasn't remotely worried. I was, I was not I wasn't remotely o- I was not remotely worried. I I, I'll I say I was remotely worried. I was not uh, I have never been more confident. Really? Okay, the Washington I, game in 2016 was about as confident the, as I've the ever. The Michigan State, Michigan game State game year is before, yeah. the most confident I've ever been. But it was up there. It was top three, like most confident I've ever been going into a, a national semifinal. Uh-huh. I, I I just didn't see any way that we lose. And their defense is as legit as advertised, which I <laughs> I thought was overblown in the first two drives. Uh, it was like, well, this game's not going to go quite like we thought it is. Um, and you know, of course, and you know, ultimately Alabama still had a chance uh, at the end of the game. Needed a defensive stop with about four minutes to go, and, and Michigan drove down and scored. Still had a chance to. Alabama had a chance with the game tied in regulation uh, to do the same thing, and, and then we had a wild ending with a near safety as time expired. It was a, it was a great game, but it did not go the way I think either fan base expected it to no. go. No, all of this said, just big picture, Michigan. Um, I underestimated Michigan. Yeah. I also didn't think that this, like, basically going back in time and and, and just only winning it in the trenches and, and you know, we're going to run the ball down everyone's throat and, we're you know, fuck the pass game. I didn't think there's any way that that could work in today's college football. And, I mean, credit to Jim Harbaugh. Like, the, what he built there, and he is – it sure seems a lot like he's gone – what he was able to build at Michigan over his last few years was basically taking a step back in time and saying, like, this bully ball can still win. Mm-hmm. And that's really fucking impressive because going against the grain like that in today's college football is – it's a big, big risk, especially when you consider all of the people that were calling for his job and saying he will never beat Ohio State, he'll never – you know, he'll never win a playoff game, all this stuff. Like, I don't like Michigan, but I respect the shit out of what they did this year. Totally. And they um, – you know, it's funny, too, that they were the non-SEC team to break through in the, the ground-and-pound type way, which has been the hallmark of the SEC, you know, until Alabama kind of revolutionized at the same time as a lot of other teams did in the last five to seven years. That was the SEC's MO. You know, we have better – we have bigger – more big guys and better big guys than you do. And that's how we're going to control the game. And there was always some outliers. Uh, I sent you a hilarious tweet um, from Dragonfly Jones. I was like, those West Coast boys grew up eating quinoa and not grits. And, like, that's their issue out West. That's why we haven't seen a West Coast powerhouse since Pete Carroll. And somebody was like, honestly, Jim Harbaugh's best job was turning Stanford into a power run team, you know, like, on the the West Coast. did you do that? And so now he has a better recruiting base in the Midwest for that type thing. He's had a better brand in Michigan. And he was like, you know, fuck this five-wide tempo stuff. Like, we're we're staying between the tackles. And, like, it worked. He found this was the perfect year for them. Uh, And, you know, despite, like you said, only playing a couple uh, really talented teams in the regular season, they clearly were built for, for the playoff and, uh, you know, found a way to get it done. And I, I think their defense in the Alabama game, like, can't be overstated. Um, they played phenomenal defense for most of that game. Uh, and, yeah, man, it was just like they were a really, really good roster this year that 
I think a lot of people underrated just because, you know, to no fault of their own, the Big Ten has sucked the last couple of years. They've had a one-game schedule. Um, but they were clearly, for real, they were the team this year. Yeah. I mean, hats off to them. Yeah. Um, now moving on to uh, the NFL, because we do have wild card, super wild card weekend coming up. Um, I, I, you know, I don't want to get into a big analytical breakdown here because uh, as, as we've come to, to realize, we're not great at that uh, and no one wants to hear it. But I do want to make some predictions on the wild card round games. And then I do – I want to segue that into – you know, we don't have to do a round-by-round round breakdown. But I want to – There's one wild, matchup. Wild card and then who's going to match up in the Super Bowl – Sure. And who's going to win? There's one team, though, and we can talk to when we get to that game if you want. Um, but there's one team, and you probably know who it is, who who won their division despite everyone kind of writing them off earlier in the season. I think you know who I'm talking about. But it is nuts that they're there and playing the way they are right now. Right. So let's get into it. And I think we're talking about that team with this first matchup. And I'm not going in chron- like chronological order of, of when kickoff, kickoff yeah. is. Uh, we'll just start in the AFC with the Steelers versus the Bills. The Bills are going to fucking kill the Steelers. Yeah. They're going to absolutely assassinate the Steelers. I don't know what the betting line is right now. I, it, it doesn't matter because I'm taking it. Um, the Bills are still a weird team. Like, they show flashes of, like, this team could actually win a Super Bowl, and then they also, you know, they, they play games like they did against – the Dolphins late mm-hmm. in this season where they still did win the game, but you're like, dude, what the fuck's going on with this team? Like, and Miami had a chance to tie at the end too. ends up throws and throwing a pick, but that, I mean, yeah, I mean, talk about a fucking wild ride uh, for the bills this season. They fired Ken Dorsey. What week seven, like middle dead middle of the season, which has never been a good thing. We both, for, we both, I remember saying, yeah. I remember saying on this podcast, like, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs. Like, Super Bowl is completely out of the question, but I don't even know if they're going to make the playoffs, which is nuts because they were a favorite to win the Super Bowl this year. They were one of the top three favorites mm-hmm. heading into the season. And, um, well, they're back in it and they do have a chance to make that run. Um, so, yeah, I think we're both riding pretty high on the Bills against the Steelers. But but Mike Tomlin, dude, I, I know we've probably talked about him a bit before in the past, but, like, that guy could probably walk into your office or mine and just pick 11 dudes and win 10 games. I mean, like, is that is – that I guy, have never seen a guy coach – so many shitty teams to the playoffs. Like, it just happens every fucking year. He is a phenomenal uh, leader of men, Mike Tomlin. I mean, that guy. Like, his teams suck every year, it seems like. Like, you know that they're not going to get anywhere when they get to the playoffs. Yeah. But he gets them to the playoffs every fucking year. I don't understand it. And it's been how long since you felt like they had a, you know, real talent edge over another team late in the season? I mean, years and years of prime Antonio Brown. We're talking like they, they, oh, he is like just a career overachiever. Like the guy is just an incredible head coach. Like there's no other way to spin it. He can just take, regardless of like production at quarterback or, you know, injuries they have up front or whatever. Like th- that man will win 10 games, like, and, and probably make the playoffs most <laughs> years. Like he's just, do I think they're going to beat Buffalo? Not at all. No. Uh, but like, just hats off again to Mike Tomlin, like one of the great coaches in modern football. And they want him out in the middle of the season every fucking year. Uh, all the time. Yeah. Every year. Yeah. Um, 
Our next matchup, Dolphins versus Chiefs. I really don't know which direction to go on this one because on the one hand, when the Dolphins are clicking, they're like very, very difficult to stop. But Is Jalen Waddle going to be back? I don't know. I I would need to look that. Into seems that. to make a massive difference in their offensive. The high production. ankle sprain, you know, you would think that if he's back, he's going to be limited. Um it's really hard to believe in the Dolphins, and it's especially hard to believe in them when they're playing in Kansas City this week, and the wind chill is going to be like negative thirty. The temperatures, yeah, the temperatures like nine. Or I mean, it's going to be brutally cold up there. Um, it's going to be a low-scoring game. It's going to be fun to watch, just because you're going to be watching just the biggest, strongest men in the world just suffer. Like, it, there's something about that. I don't know what it is about football, but like. When, when you watch guys playing really cold games or snowy games or like super, just like torrential downpours, you're not going to see much scoring. Mm-hmm. It's going to be ugly football, but it's so fucking fun to watch. Like yeah. it just is. Yeah. October baseball is cool. Um, but there is something about football in the cold that is just like different. You know what I mean? Like I like, I love it. It's, it's, play- it's such a man thing to like it, turn it really on a football is. game and you're like, Oh, fuck yeah, it's snowing. Let's go. These, and, and I can't really explain it, the, except the it's linemen, just like, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah, dude, the linemen are sleeveless, <laughs> and it's so-called all the – they're pink because all the blood's on, <laughs> on the surface of their skin because it's so goddamn cold. But they're, you know, they're numb, and they're just like a different breed of, of animals, so they are just – like, yeah, there is something awesome about, you know, football being played in the cold. But and it, this, this matchup is so weird because I don't believe in either team. Neither do I. And this is, uh, you know, arguably the loudest environment in the NFL at Arrowhead. They're going to be raucous. And these teams have given us so much reason not to believe in either one of them. I, I really don't know which way to go here. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to lean Chiefs just because they're going to be more used to playing in that cold weather. And, you know, as much as as much as much it's been such a strange year with Patrick Mahomes, this is the one year that I can think of throughout his entire career where, you know, I think we've gotten there a couple times. Where you watch him and you're like, okay, I know they've got Patrick Mahomes, but, like, these receivers suck so bad that I don't know that he's going to be able to actually get it done with them. And then he always does. They've flat out cost it, him games this year. You know? This year has been the, the lone year where it, it's actually like you say that and you don't feel like you're fucking up by saying it. Yeah. Like they're, they are that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one, and I, it's fun, and it sucks for him too because this is the one year he's had a, a t- unless they've fallen off statistically, and I don't realize they've been a top end defense, which he's not had most of his career. That's kind of the amazing part. He's kind of carried mediocre to sometimes bad defenses just to playoff and Super Bowl victories because their offense has been so incredible. This year, their defense is I'm almost certain allowing like seven to ten less points per game but their offense do like they at times they really have like one option and it's travis kelsey i mean you know and even he's he's had a down year yeah um our last matchup in the wild card round uh on the afc side of the fence is the browns versus the texans which is very intriguing because we got joe flacco uh versus cj stroud and i mean you're you're looking at the new hot thing with C.J. Stroud against what the fuck is Joe Flacco doing? 
Like, where, where did this come from? He's he's actually really good. He's elite. He is actually elite. <laughs> I mean, that is no take his age better than Joe Flacco being elite. I uh, think I think the Browns are favored by – I think they're two-point favorites. Mm-hmm. I lean Texans just because I really don't have a reason. I just lean Texans because I, I like C.J. Stroud. Yeah, I, I just the dude is completely unfazed by the NFL game. I've never seen a rookie quarterback just so comfortable, and it's he's not he's not just doing the easy things. You know, it, it, he's not just checking it down to the the open guy in the flat. Like he is pushing the ball downfield, and he's done it all season, and he's been successful with it all season. Yeah. And I don't get it. I don't. I will never understand how he's been able to step in and just say, "Yeah, the NFL is easy." But like it has been for him. And that was, I think, the the biggest people were most uh, critical or hesitant about him being in such a fluid offense at Ohio State, where he was. He had built in, you know, one first option, second option, check down. He threw, you know, like what eighty percent completion percentage in college, like. He was automatic, um, and Ryan Day's a great play caller, and it was like, well, he's got these first-round receivers that are open. But it's the Tua-Mac Jones thing where he's like, you're throwing to guys who are wide open. Um, and, th- like, the speed and the smaller windows in the NFL, like, have not affected him whatsoever. Like, he's <laughs> – in fact, he takes the top off more now than I feel like he did at Ohio State. Like, you see him just beat people with go- – like, just, just pure deep ball. downfield. He just had one on the other the night. Tits. Yeah, he had one to, to Collins the, the other day. It was like 70 yards. You know, it's just like they – he's he's been so impressive for a rookie. And, uh, I mean – yeah, D'Amico Rhines, you can give him all the credit in the world, too. But it's just like, it's crazy how quickly you and I are picking this team to win a fucking playoff game, dude. The Texans. Yeah. And I know they're playing the Browns, but like, we're picking the Texans to win a playoff game. <laughs> it's wild times, man. It, like, it's the end times, maybe. The Lions are good. I, the Texans are good now. Nick too. Saban is Nick gone. Nick Saban's gone. Bill Belichick is gone. Yeah. It, it's, it's a weird time to be alive. Uh, let's move over to the NFC, and uh, let's start with the Buccaneers versus the Eagles. Um, I'm going Bucks just simply because fuck the Eagles, and they're trash right now. They have been horrible, which is why I'm picking them to win this game. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's as NFL logic tends to go. Um, and it's really just because like, I'm not very high on Tampa, uh, and I think Philly – You know, Well, and if you watch them play against the Panthers – there's no reason to be. No, no one should be, uh, really. You know, I don't I don't have any allegiances there. Um, and, you know, I'm indifferent on Philly. I'm not a Cowboys fan. I do obviously like Jalen Hurts, but I have been critical of them this entire season. Um, I just think they're just a, a better football team. And I think unless, you know, Jalen makes some real mistakes or they shoot themselves in the foot too many times, I don't see them being just outplayed by the Bucks. By the way, did you see what Darius Slay said about playing at Tampa? Uh-uh. It's like I'm kind of relieved we're not playing in Philly because the booze aren't going to be as loud in Tampa, and we don't really want the booze. <laughs> <laughs> that's some confidence right there. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. Philly fans are incredible. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of hopes in the Eagles, you know, getting beyond this game, um, you know, or I should say winning beyond this game. But uh, I will take them in this one just because I, I just think they're better, despite, you know, the way they've kind of struggled lately. Next game, we got the Rams versus the Lions. Um, 
I'd be a little surprised if you went against me here, but I'm going to take the Lions. Um, Agreed. You know, they, they've been a little bit up and down this year. They've, they've surprised you um, in the wrong ways a few times. Uh, you know, losing against the Packers at home uh, was a little bit weird, and they got fucking murdered in the first half of that Thanksgiving game. Um, you know, so they have it in them to just show up and, and lay an egg, but the Rams are just – they're a strange team. Um I don't really feel like they're that talented of a roster. Pukunakua has been fucking unbelievable. Uh, Kyron Williams has been a top three back in the league this year. Um, So I don't want to take anything away from them. But just when you match up roster to roster and kind of what these teams have done throughout the entirety of the season, I have to lean Lions. Um, I don't – it'd be kind of cool to see the Lions make a deep run. But – yeah. I think the – I don't know. It, it, it depends on the the last matchup. We're, we're going to talk about the Green Bay Packers versus the Dallas Cowboys. But one of the, one of these teams is likely going to be facing uh, the Niners. Well, actually, no, whatever. I'm leaning Lions here, but I would not be shocked to see the Rams win. Um, I don't see either of them making it to a Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, we got to talk about Cowboys versus the Packers. Uh, Please. It, it, I mean, I, it, as much as it pains me to say it, I'm riding hard for the Cowboys. I'm taking the spread. I am – dude, it, this is like a mortgage game for the Cowboys. The The Green Bay Packers have been such a thorn in the side of the Cowboys for so long. Yeah. Um, I am – the biggest Cowboys doomer that you'll probably ever meet. Did, wasn't Aaron – did Aaron Rodgers – was he undefeated against them in Green Bay? I believe so. I think so. Um, but th- there's just something about the Cowboys playing at home, man. They, they have been the best team in football when they play at home. Yeah. And they have been mediocre to trash on the road. This game is at home, and they're going to be exercising some demons – against the Green Bay Packers. And, look, Jordan Love has been fantastic down the stretch in this season. Um, I just – I don't I don't trust that they've got the run game to do it. I don't trust that they're going to be able to slow down Dak and CeeDee Lamb. Uh, Pollard's been coming on lately. This is a put the mortgage on it. Cowboys are covering the spread. They're going to fucking kill the Packers. And my confidence after that point – goes out the fucking window because it's likely going to be the Lions. Um, and we kind of won on a fluke against them at home. That was a wild ending to a game, which uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about, but hilarious. And it was probably the best ending <laughs> to a game this year. Um, did, you, did you watch the John Boy uh, breakdown on that? No, I don't think so. I'll need to check it out, though. Dan Skipper did. Like, he, he was – he checked he in. He reported, did he, he not? He reported as an eligible receiver several times throughout the game. And uh, he ran on the field doing the exact same thing, but apparently he was signaling personnel this time. Okay. Um, so you can see why the ref was very confused. And, and John Boy broke it down in slow motion and like just really walked through it all. So um, Yeah, because that was a way you're getting some conflicting reports after that game. But for anyone who missed it, Dan Campbell went for two. 
four times in a, three times in a row. Yeah, I think it was three times in a row. He, yeah, yeah, they, they ended up losing. <laughs> they got it. They yeah. went for it, uh, or they they got it, and it was called back because holding or offside. No, or, it, it got called back because of an ineligible receiver. Oh, catching that's it. right, that's right. Yeah, the, the guy, guy that, caught, the it was guy a big boy was, touchdown. Yeah, right. The guy that they caught it had reported that was the first play. But yeah. If you go back and look at the John Boy video, the ref wasn't even looking at him. Yeah. He wasn't even looking at so him. So he was not an eligible receiver. Yeah. Um, and then they got backed up, and then they went for it from, like, the eight-yard line. Like, what are you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? I love Dan Campbell so much. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll take the Cowboys uh, in this Green Bay game, mostly because it is being played in Arlington. Uh, if it were in Green Bay – I, I'd want to support you, man, but I, I'd be I'd be much more hesitant to to pick the Cowboys on the road. Um, I wouldn't I, take them on the road. No, I, I absolutely would not. No, yeah, I will. I will be betting them in this game if they were on the road. There's no chance I would touch it. Uh, beyond that, I'm with you. I'm a lot more um, worried about you know uh, future opponents, whether it's L.A. or Detroit. Um, but you got to get by Green Bay first. Um, but I, I think the Cowboys can do it uh, because they're at home. I'm very afraid that we're going to pick the same Super Bowl matchup here. Do you? Because it's so obvious. It's chalk. It's chalk. Totally. I mean, that's what I'm going with. I'm going Niners-Ravens, and I'm taking the Ravens. Fuck yeah. Do you have the same thing, or what, what are you looking at I mean, at yes, just at first glance, and like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to try to get cute with any upsets or anything. That is – I know the NFL is weird. I mean, that is the most likely outcome, uh, which often does not happen, but – uh I think those have been the two best teams in the NFL all season. Does that mean they're going to meet in February? No. But who have you and I talked about this whole year? Who's blown out good teams? Who has dropped very few you know, games to, to worse teams? It's those two guys. Uh, and they're both healthy for the most part. Um, and, and I've loved the – I love Lamar Jackson, and, and I've liked the Ravens all year. Uh, and yeah, I hate I hate when we like parrot each other, but I mean that's who I want to win the Super Bowl, you know. I, yeah, I, if it's yeah. not going to be the Cowboys, like I'm, yeah. I, I want the Ravens to win. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Niners, nor would anybody. They're they're the betting favorite, which I don't quite understand because the Ravens absolutely handled them mm-hmm. when they when they played each other. Um, but there's you know, I think I think a lot of the Brock love. Brock Love. Yeah. That, that Brock Purdy. Love. Brock Purdy. What? Who's Brock Love? That is – was he a college quarterback? Did he play for Stanford maybe? There was Bryce Love, the running back. I don't know. I feel like Brock I Love – I just made that maybe, name maybe, up. Maybe he was a college basketball player. We'll, Brock Purdy. We'll do some research. I, I You know, I, I've said it all year. We, I, I'm on record on this podcast saying that I, I think it's – so silly. It's the same thing that happens with the Cowboys, um, but like when 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 Brock Purdy is Brock on, Love, well, funny enough, was an Alabama baseball player. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. So yeah. There, okay. There, there yeah. I go. definitely knew that. Yeah. Um, in his highs, he's he's a world beater and he's an MVP. And then as soon as he does anything wrong, a lot like the Cowboys, it's like when the Cowboys are are beating up on shit opponents, they are the best team in football and there nobody wants to play them. And as soon as they lose a game, it's like, Oh, these guys actually fucking suck. And it's been the same thing with Purdy all year. It, you know, Holy shit. He looks so amazing. He's the MVP. Holy shit. He's holding them back. He sucks. Uh, it's, it's so stupid. But while saying all this, 
I do have my my hesitation about him actually being able to overcome the Ravens' defense because we've seen it already. Um, they had him looking scared. Uh, he was seeing ghosts all game. They were in his yeah. face. He wasn't hitting open receivers. Um, and he's not much of an out-of-the-pocket creator. Um, he is a, he is very good with the clean pocket, and he's he's shown that. He's, he's an NFL starter. And they've got all the weapons in the world. 100%. They, they have – their weapons matched up against the Ravens are it's it's really not particularly close. Mm-hmm. The Ravens' number one receiver is a is a rookie. Yep, and Flowers has been fucking unbelievable this year. Yeah, I think but, he'll be a very good pro. But uh, so if you're if you're just comparing the rosters, you've got elite defense versus elite defense. You've got the best offensive personnel group in the NFL versus one that's. Very good, don't get me wrong, but they're missing Mark Andrews. Their number one receiver is a rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, every one of their, their running backs has been hurt this year. But they've For got the La- last three years. But they've got yeah. Lamar Jackson. But they have Lamar fucking Jackson. And that's uh, – I mean, we've seen guys – You know, that's been the difference maker in a lot of play- – Dude, whether we're talking college or NFL, having that – advantage at the quarterback position can decide games in the playoff it does not always mean the team with the better quarterback wins but when you've got that advantage especially when it's Lamar Jackson like you you feel pretty good about it uh even you know you you may not have a Debo Samuel or a Brandon Ayuk but you do have them maybe the most explosive player in football taking every snap so yeah I I love I just love this Ravens team yeah I'm I'm just fucking fired up you know i I, I really do think it's a two-horse race, unfortunately. Um, I would like to believe in the Cowboys, but I've just been too beaten down by them over the years. Mm-hmm. Would it absolutely shock me to see the Cowboys make it to the Super Bowl? No. No, it wouldn't shock me, but I don't see it happening. I, I, I just don't. And uh, if there was a year to believe, this might be the year, but I've also seen us just – really shit the bet against good teams and especially the 49ers holy shit that game earlier this year sucked so i'm not gonna pick it um we had news topics lined up we had a today i fucked up we're almost an hour in now so we do have to do at least one news topic i think you know what i'm gonna pick here um leeds alabama where the fuck is leeds by the way outside birmingham home of charles barkley Oh, how about that? Mm-hmm. Um, also home to this guy. Yeah. The, this Bass Pro Shop patron. Yeah, so what was his name? I don't even think it's given a name I don't, I don't for know some that reason. it does. It, it's a 42-year-old Alabama man. He's 42 years old, and they're treating him like a minor where you can't release their name. Yeah, apparently so. I think that's <laughs> how much, and we'll talk about maybe why, but I think um, – They still might not know who he is. They, they may not. There's and, no way he had identification on him. Yeah, and if – and, you know – the way this man's penis was publicized, I think I don't think I'd want my name put out there either. Um, but yeah, this was one of Alabama has been on quite a run to kick off this new year. Uh, did you see the guy stuck in the in the vase at the wedding or I the did, New Year's yeah. party? Uh, that was pretty incredible. Uh, we had Nick Saban. That was in Mountain Brook, by the way. Yeah, we had Nick Saban stepping down, uh, and now you know we had uh, Bass Pro Shop man who. Uh, Skinny dipped in the big ass fish tank. You know, it's often displayed in the front of a Bass Pro Shop. So, 
Uh, it has been a hell, I don't know how we're going to keep this pace, you know. Last year we had the Montgomery Brawl. I don't know what the hell we could have in the works in these next few months, leading in the summer. But um, it's going to be tough for the state of Alabama to, like, keep this type pace. In the well, I, you know, I, there's one thing that you can point to. And, um, you know, we, we could still see some craziness here in the next few weeks because Nick Saban has retired. But my first reaction when I saw – this crazy story of this guy skinny dipping in, in the fucking fish tank there. Um, my first reaction was we all react to Alabama playoff losses in our own way. Yeah. And uh, I'm just going to assume this guy was an Alabama fan. This is like we're both Alabama fans, but we both know that our fan base is really prone to crazy behavior. Like an Auburn fan wouldn't do this. Think about think about a crazy Auburn fan story, and it doesn't match up to any Alabama fan stories. It just doesn't. We do tend to have this. This is certainly more up our alley. It yeah, is. And yeah, it definitely is. This guy absolutely has roll tide tatted somewhere on his body. He but, didn't appear to have many tattoos at all, uh, as he was completely naked in, <laughs> in the video. So, uh, and then a few pictures as well. And I haven't done a close examination, but yeah, he might have a script A on him or an elephant somewhere. Definitely not out of the question. But, yeah, I mean, you do make a good point. The guy uh, probably was having a tough time following Alabama's uh, exit of the playoff. Um, But, yeah, he had his own uh, sort of uh, methods of coping, which uh, I have to say are unique. Um, This is not something I've I've seen before. Have you – you know, I think my first thought anytime I went in like a Cabela's or a Bass Pro was like, how funny would it be to just like cast, to like bait one of the rods in here and just catch one of these huge fish out of the tank? And this guy clearly had other ideas and was like, I'm just going to get in the fucking tank. Um, said he crashed his car into a pole in the parking lot and then strolled right into the store and disrobed and then just plopped into this tank. Um, yeah, my, my mind goes so many places when I read stuff like this. I'm like, first of all, was this the game plan, or was this like? Did he get in the car plan? Shit, to- I, cr- I crashed my car. Might yeah. as well really just go all balls to the wall. Yeah, was he just like going to Arby's and you know passing the Bass Pro and was like, you know what, I think today is the day, or did, was this an on a whim idea? Which, if it was, I mean, talk about this guy's impulse control. Like he was just <laughs> like, you know what, goddamn it, like I've I've passed that tank enough times. Today's the day. Like I can't, I can't. Stop myself another time. I got to get in the fucking tank. And uh, he, he, he's in there. And the video is so, so funny, the main one that I saw, because the person filming is directly, I mean, like you and I, not this close, but right in front of him. And as if the, those glass doors behind you were the tank, about the same size. I mean, you can just see he's holding on to the top. He's got, he's like, you know, kicking, like spread legged. And he seems to be shouting. You can't really hear what he's saying. Uh, and you just get a full frontal shot because uh, he is ass naked. And um, everything is visible, sadly, except for his penis. I mean, you can't, like, everybody kind of made the same joke, like, how fucking cold was that water? But, yeah, I mean, it's it's not there, dude. It's just, it's, it's not distinguishable. I actually, you know, it ran through my head. I was like, is this guy transitioned? Like, is the, does this man even have a penis? And he gets out of the tank, uh, and someone else got a snapshot of him being walked out in cuffs, you know, and obviously still naked. Uh, he does have a penis, and uh, <laughs> Buddy is it small. Like he, 
it, it almost it made me respect him more. He's a guy with like a huge flopper is just kind of weird. Like that's just odd. Like you know, get your get your dick out of the tank, you weirdo. But this guy's like, I'm letting it all hang out, dude. I don't even care what's going on here. Um, I'm just gonna put on a show for the people of the Leeds, Alabama Bass Pro Shop. <laughs> And it was it was incredible. He was in there for like minutes before I think security they had some security, but they couldn't really do anything. They're they're not gonna get they had in to there call, with them. They had to wait for police to arrive, which, you know, probably took five to ten minutes. So this guy's just like really going like full SeaWorld display out there. And you had to all those other fish were probably like, dude, what the fuck? What's yeah, going and, on here? And so if you're if you haven't seen the story and you're wondering, like, did they eventually lure him out? Um kinda. Or, you know, how, how did they eventually get him out of there? Well, he got himself out of there by climbing the fucking glass wall and falling. Eight to ten feet? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I, I mean, it, yeah. it seemed like even higher than that, knocking himself unconscious. He, knocked, he hit the concrete floor uh, and, was, and was out immediately. I mean, that's the only good way to exit the tank. Oh, we actually do have a name now. This is at the very bottom of the... the the very bottom of this article, uh, jail records show George, George Owens. Owens. There he is. Yeah. Starrett. I've never heard of Starrett. I, I hadn't heard of Leeds. I don't know that I'm familiar with Starrett. Um, Charged with public lewdness, disorderly conduct, resisting arrest, assault on a police officer, two counts of first-degree criminal mischief, and two counts of reckless endangerment. I'm, I don't think this guy's aware that Nick Saban is no longer the head coach. This dude is going to be – he's going to be in jail for a long time. Um, and I did hear – again, you've seen videos. I have not. Apparently, like, he knocked himself unconscious. The police came up to him and tried to apprehend him, to which he awoke from his slumber and just started going at it this with is the true. cops. Yeah, he was not – it was not a, a, a peaceful arrest. <laughs> he, did, he did indeed resist, which is there any worse – scenario for a cop i guess other than someone who's like covered in shit or piss or something uh then just like a, a, a butt-ass naked dude who's like you gotta tackle a soaking naked guy. wet he's soaking wet he's been in <laughs> fish water <laughs> he's got his little pecker out and he's like fighting you and he's a big boy this was a big fat boy like that's not an easy arrest you know um that sucks for those cops you just got like you know just naked dude water all over you and uh I don't know. I guess it is at least eventful if you're a small-town Birmingham cop, you know. You get to tell a fun story. I can't imagine they have too many just, like, crazy days on the job. I mean, you're probably going to come across a meth head here and there. Yeah. But, like, dude, a guy in a in a tank, you get that one on the radio. You're, you're like, Wait, racing over there. There yeah. is a naked man in the, in the fucking tank at Bass Pro Shops. I was just there yesterday. Um... That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I'll take this one. Yeah. But yeah, you're again, you're not expecting to have to wrestle him to the ground <laughs> to the ground, dude. They did. Yeah, just incredible. Um But yeah, back yeah, who to know, I wonder what kind of sentence this guy's going to get with all those charges. Back to my former point though, just because I was actually talking to a coworker today about why I hate being a Cowboys fan, and it very much applies to being an Alabama fan, except I don't hate being an Alabama fan because we actually have success. But like with both fan bases, you have this massive amount of people that are just like utterly embarrassing to be around. Yeah. Because I mean 
when you boil it down, all right, the Dallas Cowboys, they're on national television all the time. They're the Texas team. They're America's team, quote unquote. Um, that's, it's going to come with the territory. You're going to get some fucking crazy people. I've seen them in the 400 levels the, at AT&T stadium. The, the football Yankees is basically absolute creatures. Yeah. Absolute creatures. I, I cannot express to you how unenjoyable it is to be around them. I've been Alabama's got them too, because look, they're the misconception about Alabama is it's all just a big redneck mess. We're from an area that is very much not that, um, but there's a whole lot of that state that is as advertised. And if you are one of these trailer-dwelling, drug-addict, alcoholic, wife-beating motherfuckers, and you are supposed to pick a team in your state to root for, you're probably not choosing Auburn. Yeah. You're probably not. Why would you choose the team that doesn't win as much as the other one? With the state name on them, by the way. So, look, I don't shy away from the Alabama redneck fandom. It's there. Oh, it totally it right. is absolutely there, and anyone you've, that tells you otherwise is lying. You've got to embrace it. You know what I mean? You, you have to. Um, because those people those people also do contribute. You know what do. I mean? Like, they are. They show up. Now, a lot of them do not have the funds or maybe even the driver's license to travel to Tuscaloosa and attend a game. A lot of them do, though. A lot of them sure do. And they, I will never forget and my lo- first time. And largely, those people do mean well, and they are good people. Um, but, yeah, you, you certainly have you some across. characters. And Auburn has these people, too. I think almost every they do. fan base does. They do. But I'm we, not saying they don't. We, but I totally agree, and I've talked to people about it before. We absorb most of them through historical success, you know, being like the larger school, and uh, yeah, we just tend to, to soak up more of, of that crowd. Of course. Yeah. Uh, it's, and, it's, and the Cowboys are absolutely natural. in the same vein of, of they s- are. the undesirable fans. <laughs> the problem that I have is when every Alabama fan gets, gets kind of lumped into that same – it's like, look, there there is a very, very clear divide between people that went to the University of Alabama and the people that are the sidewalk fans. I am not one of these people that shuns the sidewalk fans. Never, yeah. If nothing else, they are very entertaining. Um, the ones that embarrass us nationally, fuck them. Um, and I mean, we've gone on an absolute diatribe. This guy could be an Auburn fan. I'm, I'm just assuming he's not. Um, hopefully he's like an Oklahoma fan or something like that. Yeah, but, big Ohio State guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a big diatribe. But, um, yeah, just don't, sh- don't shy away from it. Like, they're there. They're loud. Yeah, they they do they do spend money on Alabama, even if they're not buying the Nike gear. They're buying the Coliseum gear. <laughs> sure, yeah. starter stuff from Walmart. Yeah, or you know, dot family dollar, um, you know, whatever. And 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 um, I've always felt the same way. You know, I grew up with those people, and I know, like you know, you grew up a Texas and fan. They probably they have less of that. They are t- uh, kind of an insular fan base. A lot of them do have family ties. Or they went to school. There. You were probably around more of the. I was around was. a lot of it, and you know, most of my family are Auburn fans, so these weren't like my immediate relatives. But I, I, I certainly grew up around people who fit this description, and 
you know, when they make us look stupid, uh, you know, the, the people they interview right after a tornado hits or something, you know, just like the people <laughs> TV camera crews tend to find. Uh, yet those people, they do not represent our entire fan base, but they certainly are out there. And, and like, there's a lot of them. And it's also just kind of what makes, uh, you know, not just, just SEC football in general, like the Iron Bowl specifically, uh, just different than anything else because we don't have professional sports. A lot of people in our state are Braves fans, Falcons fans, Titans fans, whatever. They have their pro allegiances, but we all know what comes first. And it's either the Tide or the Auburn Tigers. And, like, there are some true maniacs <laughs> who just, like, who will show themselves. Like, Scott Van Pelt wrote an article on Saban's retirement. It was short, but he was like, I always think back to the airport, the arrival – he was like, I made fun of those people. You know, he was like, uh, you know, Colette, the fan, the one, I think she's dead now. She's the one who kissed him on the face wearing the, the Walmart jersey. And he was like, the, you know, these fools, I said to myself. Like, you know, and he was like, looking back, they probably undersold it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, it probably should have been more of a celebration now in retrospect. But, um, yeah, those people, they have some value in our fan base, you know, as weird they as that. They have a lot of value. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I don't like the, you know. We, we have stories about people shooting each other and people teabagging LSU fans on mm-hmm. Bourbon Street. Um, those, those ones are out there, and those are an absolute shame because we do get lumped in with that group. But there are a lot of, there are a lot of redneck, trailer-dwelling Alabama fans. That we got are, dudes threatening to poison the water supply. We do. I mean, yeah. Fuck those guys. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I mean, we went way off the rails here. That's all right, um, dude. And, and, you know, I did find it today. I fucked up. But we're, we're far enough into this that I'll save it for next week. Um, it's just good to be back, man. Dude, it's, yeah, it it's, is. It's been a minute. Um, I'm, I'm excited to get back into it. Next week we'll be talking about who the next head coach is. We'll be talking about the, the NFL divisional round matchups. So, um, you know, a lot of exciting times to come. And then football's over and everything sucks. Um, so we have to be, we have to be fired up about pitchers and catchers reporting. I mean, we can, we can talk about college basketball as well, but we'll see if we actually want to do that or not. Uh, that's going to play out over the next few weeks. Um, maybe I'll get back into my hockey talk because I I ain't talking about the NBA. I haven't watched a bit of puck. Like I've watched like (laughs) one star. I've watched like one stars game. Uh, Man, I've been, I've been on them. I've been on them. Um, well, yeah, we got, um, Lots going to shake out here soon, and then uh, yeah, a bit of a bleak time for you and I. Maybe we'll we'll workshop some new stuff here, but uh, it is good to be back. And thank you all for for bearing with us through uh, you know our our somber intro to this episode. And we say we'll talk to y'all next week. Every episode, a lot of times that's not true, especially recently. But, It'll be another week, but we will talk to y'all next week. Y'all have a good one.